0: on this week's episode of the podcast i tell drew the story of a player's troubled career and interesting history with public transit a little too fast too furious Ooh, we're tokyo drifting all over the place so make sure that all hands feet and objects stay inside the ride at all times because this is deadball brothers Welcome to Deadball Brothers, a weekly podcast about soccer and history with a healthy, healthy dose of stupidity brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast and hosted by your favorite soccer brothers, me, everybody's most favorite soccer content person that's employed by Jimmy Conrad, haha, <laughs> suck it Monty, <laughs>
1: is the host of the podcast, Adam Whitaker Snavely, joined as always by my real life brother, Drew Snavely, and Adam, is it fair to ask... Is it coming home? I mean, it's fair to ask it, and it's also fair to answer no. Probably not. <laughs> no, it is not coming home. <laughs> yeah. Rough Rough draw. Ugh. Well, I guess it's not a draw. Actually, honestly, England have the weaker side of the bracket. Like, the way weaker side of the bracket. Yeah, if they get past Germany.
0: If they get past Germany, which Germany is like, is the Germany that crushed Portugal going to show up? Or is the Germany that almost lost to Hungary going to show up? Yeah, that's like that's the big question. Because on the other side of the the bracket, I feel like there's just a ton of like, there's a ton of teams that you look at them and are like, wow, that's that's not an easy matchup. Like even the the weaker teams on that side, it's like Austria, Denmark, like the that it's just like what wow, Switzerland. Like these aren't like pushover teams yeah. that you have yeah. here. Yeah,
1: England has Germany, which which Germany has looked. But then the winner, face, awesome. the winner faces the winner of Ukraine Sweden, yep. which is like mm-hmm. a dream quarterfinal match.
0: Arguably the weakest matchup in the entire round of sixteen. Yeah. Ukraine versus Sweden. The Netherlands. Uh, oh my gosh! So is on that side. Walk into the the Netherlands. Frank de Boer <laughs> the quarters. Frank de Boer's upward trajectory after failing miserably in MLS is inspiring, frankly. <laughs> And I do mean Frank Lee. <laughs> up, Frank? How you doing?
1: Oh, man. But the Euros are
0: happening. Uh, Brazil looks like they're just inevitable in the Copa America. Uh, and we're gearing up for the Gold Cup. Oh, yeah. The
1: Gold Cup still happening, baby. Just, just feels like uh, um, not quite the tournament that it used to be now that there's... The, uh, The illustrious... The illustrious...
0: <laughs> Conquer Nations yes, League. Yes, yes. I mean, it's still... I don't know. It's it's kind of weird in general, even before the Conquer Nations League happened, because they got rid of the Confederations Cup. The Confederations Cup no longer happens. Oh. So, the winner of the Gold Cup
1: gets the Gold Cup. That's it. The, okay, yeah. Which is... Yeah. It's yeah. a nice trophy. Sure. Definitely. Another trophy to add to your shelf. Yeah, for real.
0: But I think that this is probably going to be B team United States. Yeah. Berhalter already said that nobody that was in the Nations League camp is going to be on the team, um, or at least nobody that played in the Nations League games is going to be on the team. Yes, I'm pretty sure that like Matthew Hoppy is going to be in the the roster for the Gold Cup, which he was in the camp okay. for the Concacaf Nations League. So there's probably going to be a little bit of crossover. Maybe Julian Green, maybe the boy Daryl DK.
1: Oh man, I w- would love me some. It will I love me any Daryl DK minutes. True. So, did you see he came back and played in his first MLS game and immediately scored two goals? Yes, I did see that. I was like, man, it's the like taking off the training top. wheels. Like uh, he's uh he's a cut above he MLS is. talent. It I, seems I, I as think, far as strikers go. I think that he is. I think that I would be
0: surprised if he is in MLS for longer than. Two months. Yeah,
1: the end of I not even the end of MLS season, but beginning of the European campaign. I would be I would be surprised. Yeah. Because I think he's worth that money that they are looking for.
0: And still would be a cheaper option probably than like going and finding a striker in like France or Germany or something. Because Orlando's looking for like twenty mil, twenty five mil, something like that. That's Yeah. That's it's 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 steep for MLS, but not for looking
1: for a like a top bins kind of striker. I was gonna say it, it's tough to score goals. <laughs> Scoring I, goals is hard, guys. I, I think um, I, you know I I dislike this this manager, but Jose Mourinho. Ah, uh-huh. it Jose said one of my more favorite things that a manager has said, and that is um, when he was talking about moving Wayne Rooney further back mm-hmm. on the pitch. As, as he was aging, people were suggesting, oh, maybe he can um, kind of transition from a striker to more of a, a holding midfielder. And Jose Mourinho's like, no, 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 no. Like Wayne Rooney can score goals. And so <laughs> he's going to play striker because not everybody can score goals. That's true. I, like, I could go in and play holding midfielder. Um, when nobody's pressuring the ball. and (laughs) I mean, since that comment, um, pressing has become a lot more prevalent. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Defensive midfielder is uh, a lot... A lot more difficult position, physically speaking. Yes. yes, It's a more physically demanding... You don't see a lot of Georginos in the world anymore. You you really do not. Um, I do want to say, circling back to the Euros and England specifically, I do not want to see them win
0: the no. way that they're playing.
1: No. Specifically the way that they're playing. You no, know, if they go out there, if Southgate um decides that he wants to actually have fun and let the boys play. He has so many fun players. He's got so many players with the sauce and he is choosing to play like two of them at a time. Yes. He and Raheem 1. Sterling. Raheem time.
0: Sterling must always play. Yes. That's what I've learned. It's it's honestly it's very funny to me, and I, I said this on Twitter, but it's it's funny to think that England's round of 16 game might be saved because Gareth Southgate was forced to rotate out Mason Mount because he had to isolate because Billy Gilmore tested positive for COVID. And because, because if, because if that didn't happen, he was definitely starting Mount again. He's, he's, he's starting Rice Phillips and Mount in his midfield constantly. The first two games, he made five substitutions out of a possible 10 he barely rotated his team yes. at all. I was just like, "You're just gonna run your team into the ground."
1: Yeah, he yeah, is playing he's, this. He's playing too many midfielders that are lacking the sauce. Calvin he, Phillips he, was very good in the first game. It yeah, must be said. Yes, no, he he was very good. But I mean, take one of Declan Rice or or Calvin Phillips and throw another guy in there. With get the Jude,
0: sauce. get Jude in there, baby. Get
1: Jude in there. Bellingham, uh, let Grealish fall out. I mean, Jaden Sancho apparently stole his lunch money. Is
0: it? Yeah. I, that's the only explanation I can come up with for how <laughs> little he's played. <laughs> it's I, criminal. It is. I, I think, I think I would, I think I would start. I think if you were looking at like max fun and also effectiveness, because I think that Sterling is a fun player, but it's hard to say that he is the most effective player, but he has scored two goals. So I have to give him that. He's scored two goals. Yeah. Which is, which is a big, but Still, I feel like when I watch him play a lot of the time, it's like Raheem Sterling gets the ball, Raheem Sterling dribbles around for several seconds and finds nobody. So I think if I was looking for Max fun, honestly, if I was looking for Max fun, I don't even start Harry Kane. No, that's what I'm saying. I start Dominic Calvert-Lewin, baby. Nice. <laughs> Calvert-Lewin, you get Grealish underneath him with maybe Sancho and Foden in the wings. And then you start Jude Bellingham and Mason Mount as a just a double pivot kind of.
1: Oh man, that'd be awesome.
0: Eight, ten, or wait, no, I already said Grealish is in there. Just start. I don't even care. You don't even have to start Mason Mount. Although I think Mason Mount is probably one of England's best players, and maybe starting a Mason Mount, Ju- uh, Jack Grealish, Jude Bellingham is like death in your midfield because you have nobody that's going to stay back. Yeah, all the time, but that would be hilarious. But it would be awesome, <laughs> is what we're trying to say. <laughs> Oh, but anyway, I the story today does take place largely in England, so okay, thank you for bringing up England and its, and its various uh, mechanisms yes. and, and the national team and all that stuff. Um, but the story doesn't start in England. Now, Drew, I told you that this is kind of culminating in about a story about public transit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. It's... It's a little bit of a weird one. It's a little funny one. It's
1: one that I think that we can all listen to and have a good laugh. There is um, something that's really funny about professional athletes involved in travel incidents as long as nobody's getting hurt. Nobody is hurt. Nobody's hurt. It's usually just like really, really stupid and dumb. Some people's feelings
0: were inevitably hurt, I think. Very, very much so. But uh, nobody was hurt in this incident, certainly. On May 24th, 1989, Adel Tarapt was born oh, in Fez, yeah. Morocco.
1: Yeah, five-star skiller. Right? <laughs> FIFA legend. <laughs> yes.
0: Now, <laughs> Tarapt and his family soon put down roots in France, which it seems like kind of like the the thing to do for most like North African soccer players. Yes. That's that's what happens. Um and he would eventually hold dual citizen citizenship with Morocco and France, although he eventually represented Morocco on the international level. He developed talent for the game, and as a youngster, was picked up by French side Lens, which is how you pronounce Lens.
1: L-E-N-S. L-E-N-S. L'en-s. L-E-N-S. lens. Did not know that, but that makes I'm
0: sense. i pretty sure it's long, long, Lens. Uh, he got picked up by Lens to play in their academy, and after a couple of years, even made an appearance with the first team. Look at him go, yeah. making his professional debut at just 17 years old. Bright future. <laughs> How many times have we heard it <laughs> Bright, bright future. We have a new genius. <laughs> his youth exploits caught the attention of Premier League clubs, and soon enough, Turob signed with Tottenham. Yes, he did. At the time, Spurs had just hired Arsenal scout Damian Camoli as their director of football. Uh, Camoli, who was also a Frenchman, had convinced Herat that he would be a part of Tottenham's plans and would be in contention for playing time as soon as he got there. Okay, like yeah, you're you're 17, 18 years old. You come to Tottenham,
1: you're gonna play here. I mean, you're I, play for I us. feel like every every director of football or soccer uh, that is trying to secure the services of oh yeah an up and coming <laughs> talent yes. is always saying. Oh, yeah, you're gonna be involved oh right he's, away, oh immediately
0: he's, he's trying to secure the back yeah yeah it's it's happening um a hundred percent the teenager like what he heard yes at, who would who wouldn't yeah. like what that like that statement, and he decided to make the move to England. He did also have interest from Arsenal at the time, okay, um but he was talking to Camoli the whole time because Camoli was a scout working for Arsenal, and then kind of that year he moved from Arsenal to Tottenham and change from being a scout from Arsenal to the director of football okay. at Tottenham, which is a, I mean, a big yeah. job, jump. That's a pay raise. No, definitely, definitely. Um, so Camoli basically told him I'm moving to Tottenham. We're going to do it at Tottenham. Like they did it at Arsenal. Come with me. Yeah. And so Dharab said, yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. Why not? I don't know why you wouldn't. London's calling. Uh, his skill on the ball and in the midfield made him an eye-popping prospect. And at the time, some English papers went as far as to call him the new Zinedine Zidane.
1: Oh, yeah. Which
0: is <laughs> a little bit of pressure.
1: Maybe uh, maybe just a tad. Uh, as we all know, Zinedine Zidane is extremely Moroccan. <laughs> he is not.
0: <laughs> Algerian, actually. Is he really? Yeah. I think he's Algerian. He is his um, his roots are North African. Okay, cool. uh, his I I don't know. I don't remember if he was born in North Africa and then moved, or if his parents moved and then he was born in France. But he is, I think it was Algerian by ethnicity. But he he's definitely one of the North African countries.
1: And Algeria could have had such a good team if all of their. Um, grand players stayed, but France ran a campaign. Yes. To, this was like
0: one of our first episodes that we talked about this. Yes. Because of, um uh, Riyad Morris talking yes. about the, the guy that was like saying, that was talking about, um, all African football fans, uh, in France, cheering on like African Nations teams and yes. stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. We talked about that. We, you you we, can, yeah. you can go back and find that it's way back in the old directory. Um, which is now
1: spanning two years. Is I just it, got. I, I believe it's titled "The Desert Foxes Shock the World." Maybe.
0: Oh, I don't know if that was the one because we were a talking. It might have been a different one because different Algeria. One. We were talking about uh, that Algeria news as it was happening in current events. Yes. That was still in the current event half section of the podcast. Oh yeah
1: yeah yeah I remember that yeah
0: that. yeah. But I just got, I just got the, the Twitter versary two years for the Dead Ball pile. Oh, Wow. Two years. Wow. Look Crazy. Go. But yeah, so he was called the new Zinedine Adopt. Yeah. Uh, and thus began a long series of unfortunate events that, for our purposes, somehow ends at a random bus stop in London. Always. Tarap made less than 10 total appearances for Tottenham over the course of two and a half seasons. Unfortunate. Yes. At the time, the team is managed by Juan de Ramos a Spanish manager, perhaps best known for how he screwed up Tottenham. He also won won a bunch of trophies with Sevilla, and he did win the League Cup with Tottenham before anyone gets upset with me for doing that. But he was really known in England for screwing up Tottenham. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tarap spent much of his first year with Tottenham largely as a depth piece, getting some appearances here and there. Then, at the beginning of the 2008-09 season, Ramos told Tarap and several others, including one Kevin Prince Boateng, that they were no longer in his plans, and as such, he banned them from changing in the same dressing room with the first team and participating in first team training exercises, oh,
1: man. which is brutal. That's always such a, like, that's a really great way to, like, destroy a player's confidence. Yeah. Well, he did that with, like, seven different players. Yeah.
0: I'm like, that's like, he just split the locker room in half.
1: Yeah. yeah. Basically. I mean, he's not the only manager to ever do that. But whenever managers do that, I'm just like, You are not a good manager. (laughs) No. Um,
0: He also, this was funny, um, he also moved to ban all sweets, pastries, salt, and ketchup that were offered to players by the club's food services. Yes. Uh, Tottenham began the 08 season in tragic fashion, and by the end of September, Ramos, his whole coaching staff, which would feature future Sunderland legend Gus Poyer. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, and also Damian Camole, the guy who brought Tarop to the club, were all sacked. Harry Redknapp took over. The Harry Redknapp Sorry. Tottenham era began and reinstated the exiled Taurabh, but he was still only made, he would still only make one appearance with the club before he was eventually loaned out and then eventually, eventually sold to Queens Park Rangers. Trapp joined a QPR team that were in the championship, and he soon, soon showed flashes of his talent, scoring a couple wonder strikes for the club. Unfortunately, his first couple seasons were also marred by some serious injury layoffs, including a knee surgery, which sidelined him and sent him back to Tottenham temporarily while he was still on loan. QPR wanted to sign him, and Tottenham wanted to sell him, but QPR couldn't meet their, their asking price of £4.5 million. Pounds. Then Taurat started talking, and you kind of get the impression. I tell all this background in this story because you get the foreshadowing of this is the type of person that we're dealing with a little bit.
1: Yes, yes.
0: This is what he said. The big mistake was to sign for Tottenham and not go to another club when I first came over, said Taurat, as reported by the Evening Standard. He would go on in the same interview to say that he wished he had gone to Arsenal. (laughs) QPR signed to from Tottenham five months later for a reported fee of one million pounds. Oh, yeah. So it worked, (laughs) baby. (laughs) He found the buttons to push and he hammered them things. Uh, Yeah. So from this, we should glean that Adele Terrap was not one known to hide his feelings for the benefit of others traps first full season with QPR was actually a pretty good one, where he showed off more of his promise and made himself a useful player, despite some off-the-field issues. There's this whole thing where he was playing for Morocco, and then he got dropped from the squad or something, and he vowed never to play internationally again, and then, like, Four months later, they called him up and he's like, yeah, okay, I'll go. <laughs> and and his coach, uh, his coach at QPR was like, I don't know what's going on, but you should not behave this irrationally. Like, I'm keeping an eye on you, basically. Yeah, yeah. It was a whole, it was a it was a weird thing. But that season with QPR, he scored 19 goals and went so far as to become captain of the QPR side. Which is pretty Crazy. big. Considering this is still only like a 22-year-old yeah, at this point. Yeah, very young. He's still, he's still a really young guy. Uh, QPR would actually win promotion to the Premier League that year. It appeared that Adele Taarabt, the revenge tour, was in full effect, yes. as he would make his triumphant return to the same league as Tottenham as captain of QPR. That changed very, very quickly when QPR signed Joey Barton and immediately installed him as captain. Yeah. Let's go, Joey
1: Barton! <laughs> He's just one of those guys where uh, when they when they bring him in, and one of his transfer demands is, I'm going to be captain oh, of dude, this team. I said, it, it has the, the biggest
0: newly promoted club energy of like two decades almost of yeah. just like, I'm a newly promoted club. Who, who should I sign? Joey Barton. Joey, Joey Barton's going to hold this team together. Good plan. At the same time as all that was happening, Tarapt was being talked about as a potential transfer target for clubs like PSG and Napoli, and it all made Terapp a bit more of an unsettled presence around the club yet again. Terapp's play subsequently suffered, and he was prone to frequent outbursts and angry dust-ups, which, again, is something that probably isn't helped by the fact that Joey Barton is the captain yes, of your club. Like, yes. Joey Barton is, like, the least settled person in the world. Yes. This all leads us to October 2nd, 2011. Ten years ago now.
1: Ten years almost, ago. In,
0: Almost. In almost, October. Yeah, ten years in, ten years in October. In a game against Fulham at Craven Cottage. A game where QPR were bad, and then somehow they got even worse. And <laughs> Turopt decided that he didn't feel like being part of the game anymore. Oh, yes. <laughs> so he left.
1: Oh, yeah. What, what better would make statement that you're displeased? Oof. just walk off the field just done or so was it in the middle of a match or was it at halftime like what's what's the deal i'm glad you asked yes because i'll tell you right after the break and we are back to the second half of this episode and adam before we get into trap leaving in the middle of a match against fulham at craven cottage yep I have to say, every time I think about Queen's Park Ra- Ra- Rangers now, Queen's Park Rangers, I can only, in my head, I can only think of Queen's Park Raisins because when, <laughs> when Louis Van Hall was manager for Manchester United, uh-huh. Manchester United was about to play QPR and he was talking about them and called them Queen's Park Raisins. <laughs> And so, every time you've said Queens Park Rangers, I almost said Queens Park Raisins when I was trying to say Queens Park Rangers, because it, my mind is just programmed to say Queens Park Raisins.
0: Well, Drew, to prevent that, we can just refer to them as QPR QPRs from here on out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and second of all, that's probably a better association for QPR than I have, because I just immediately think about Jeff Cameron. Ah. Uh, and it's not happy thoughts. Yeah, they're not. Off. They're not happy thoughts. So... We've got a game between QPR and full. In 2011, which means these lineups gave me all sorts of nostalgia. Let me read off some names for you, because these people all started this game. We got Mark Schwartzer in goal. Oh, yeah. We got Yon Arnarisa. We've got Bobby Zamora, Andy Johnson, Moussa Dembele, and one Mr. Clinton Drew Dempsey of Nacogdoches, Texas. All playing for Fulham. QPR, on the other hand, we're starting to wrap Joey Barton, Sean Wright, Phillips, and Anton Ferdinand, in addition to one Paddy Kenny in goal.
1: Wow.
0: A lot of names. Some legends. A lot of legends. (laughs) Maybe not legends in the way that a legend really is, but legends in my my mind. Yes, yes, absolutely. For sure, for sure. (laughs) Also, I didn't realize that Clint Dempsey's middle name was Drew
1: until I looked it up specifically for this. Yeah. Congratu- congratulations I'm, on that. I'm kind of still taken aback by that because I didn't know that either, and that seems like a fact that I would know. Yeah, shouts out to Wikipedia
0: on that one because I just looked it up real, real quick, and I was like, what's his middle name?
1: Drew. I'm, honestly, nice. I, I don't love the middle name Drew. I don't know why people would give somebody their, their flesh and blood or their <laughs> adoptive blood the name the middle name Drew. Is it is it the one syllable thing that throws you off? I don't know, because there are a lot of really good one syllable middle names. Mm. I just feel like Drew's not the best middle name. I, I feel think like Andrew is a better middle name than Drew is.
0: I feel like the uh, some variety of syllables is good and it makes it a little bit weirder when he goes by Clint. But Clint Drew Dempsey. Yeah. Sounds weird. I also think that I'm as too- opposed to like your name, which your real first name is Andrew. Yes. And your middle name is
1: Jeremiah. Yes. And that's... out to Jeremiah. Yeah. When people ask me my full name, I don't say Drew Jeremiah Snavely. I say yeah. Andrew Jeremiah Snavely because it flows better. It does flow better. Must be said. I, I'm i also team uh, anti-first names for the middle name. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. So maybe that... I mean, I know Jeremiah can be... A, a first name but it's it's more uncommon it's more uncommon now i would uh, definitely yeah. say it was probably a little bit more common and
0: also more common depending on what circles you run in slash what ethnicity you are it's probably a lot more common if you're jewish and you have a lot of jewish friends yeah yeah <laughs> uh yeah. all things considered but but anyways but anyways that's a little <laughs> bit of a name analysis i like Dempsey's <laughs> middle name hope you all enjoyed that drew dempsey qpr we're actually doing fairly well to start the season. All things considered, they were sitting in ninth place in the league after just being promoted, which is okay. good. That's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Fulham, on the other hand, were not very good. They were in the Europa League this season, which means they had done good the previous season. Yes. However, they were in the relegation zone Rough. in
1: October. And which, I mean, still
0: got a lot of season left to play. Yeah, you still have a lot of season left to play, but it's still not like the start you want for sure.
1: Definitely not.
0: Uh, and also, entering the match with QPR, Fulham had drawn four games in a row, which isn't terrible, but also isn't very good when you just like, oh, okay, I need points, you know? Yeah. Um, and to add just a little bit more intrigue to the story, this was something of a dirty match, as both QPR and Fulham are from West London.
1: Yes. The more you
0: know. The more you know. I didn't know that.
1: I knew that they're both London-based. I didn't know that they're both, both West London Yeah.
0: Because
1: the only... Cause Basically, it's like Chelsea is in West
0: London, and then it's a whole bunch of like low Premier League Championship clubs are also in West London because that's where that's where Fulham is. That's where QPR is. I think is Wafford around there too.
1: Probably something like that. Crystal I, Palace are are they West possibly?
0: I, I think Crystal Palace are more North London actually,
1: but I'm not sure. I don't know
0: London. I just know London is huge. Yes. Um, Much, much bigger than any city I have ever looked at. Um, So, all that to say, we've got a match on our hands. Absolutely. The game started off phenomenally for Fulham. (laughs) And really, really poorly for QPR. Yeah, I guess you would have to
1: for a player to walk off. Or leave. Yep, totally.
0: For sure, for sure. In the second minute... Oh, oh, No. (laughs) Musa Dembele got clear enough for a shot about 20 yards from goal that keeper Patty Kenny could only parry away. Unfortunately for Kenny, he parried it directly to Andy Johnson, with no QPR defenders bothering to track the forward crashing into the box looking for a rebound, which is something that Matt Hill drilled into. All of us as forwards, as soon as somebody shoots the ball, you run as fast as you can towards the goalkeeper.
1: Yeah, if, you, if you're the, the reason why uh, the team scores against you you're getting subbed off immediately 100 yeah uh-huh. full stop uh so so yeah it was a very very poor
0: start for qpr and it almost got really really worse a minute later um as it was almost 2-0 when a clint dempsey cross pinged around off several bodies in the box and nearly went in it was very very sloppy play from qpr all told and they had serious issues dealing with some swift counter attacks fulham was putting on display the sloppiness would continue in the 19th minute When Andy Johnson flicked a hopeful ball onto no one, in absolutely no one. He was the farthest person forward. He just flicked the ball over his head. Uh, While QPR center back Fitz Hall was guarding him and Patty Kenny coming out to meet them. Fitz Hall saw Patty Kenny coming out and he said, right, I'm going to shield off Andy Johnson, let my goalkeeper collect the ball, everything is going to be Gucci, it's all going to be cool. So Gucci. Easy, easy peasy. Yes. I'm... Way bigger than Andy Johnson. He is way bigger than Andy Johnson. I watched the video. (laughs) I can do this. Somehow, (laughs) he did a really poor job of shielding Andy Johnson because Andy Johnson was much quicker than he was. And Andy Johnson just kind of steals in between the two and pokes the ball with his foot. And Patty Kenny then just clobbers him because he's sliding in full speed to come Uh, collect uh. the ball. And he gets a penalty call on him. It is the most like nothing... Chance nobody is anywhere close to this, and they still managed to give up a penalty. Brutal, <laughs> uh, very, very poorly played yeah, from both great. both QPR players. It must be said. Uh, Fulham captain Danny Murphy finished it with ease to 0 Fulham. Paddy Kenny was very nearly, very nearly made himself a hat trick of goalkeeping errors nine minutes later, when. Uh, he paused on the ball in possession, and Andy Johnson very nearly managed to get to him and either dispossess him or deflect his clearance into the goal. Thankfully, he managed to get rid of it and kind of avoid the Steve Clark Columbus crew thing at MLS Cup 2015. Okay. Um,
1: yeah. As long as he's not swatting the ball into his own net. Ooh, line.
0: shouts out Martin Dubrovka. <laughs> Dubrovka. <laughs> yes. Dubrov- what a guy. <laughs> <laughs> um this saving face here for Kenny didn't really matter and didn't make him feel better in the 38th minute. When a nice Fulham move got Dempsey a shot in the box, Kenny made the initial save pretty well, considering he was basically at the, the penalty spot, and it was kind of at a spot where it's just like, you just have to... If you if if you cough up a rebound, you cough up a rebound. Yeah. You're just yeah. trying to make the save. He made the initial save. But unfortunately, yet again, the rebound fell to Bobby Samora, who then... Had a little nice pin, pinpoint pullback of a pass because he was kind of at the end line at this point, and Andy Johnson once again mm. was there to meet the ball. Three nothing to Fulham, banged in without QPR really creating anything. Like if you watch the the highlights of this, like QPR was not like they had like some set pieces maybe, but
1: they were not creating anything on the ball. It's easily one of the most infuriating things when you're on a soccer pitch and you are an attacking player. Yeah. And your team is just defending, and you can't get anything going. Yep. Can't uh, and on the other end. It's not they, happening for you at all. Uh, there, there are a few things that make your blood boil more.
0: It, it really, really sucks. <laughs> uh, halftime came finally, mercifully. <laughs> And here enters a pivotal figure in this tale, QPR manager and funny soccer person legend, Neil Warnock. Because that uh-huh. who was managing QPR at the time, baby. What a guy. Neil Warnock, knowing he needed to make changes, because his team sucked. His team was playing awfully. Warnock made the decision to remove Tarata at halftime. Okay. Uh, he also removed another player, Sean Derry. Who was replaced by DJ Campbell and Tommy Smith, respectively? Those are real players and not football manager (laughs) generations of names, I promise you. Uh, I don't remember those players at all. I'm sure that if you're a QPR fan, you probably do. Apologies to you. But uh, those are the most empty English names I think I've ever heard. Yes. So he took all those, he took a couple players off, put a couple players on. Tarab, as you might imagine, did not take this news well. Getting subbed off at halftime always sucks. Yes. Never, never, ever a good thing. Yeah. I do remember there was one time, like, a couple seasons ago, the old coach for the San Jose Earthquakes. um, He subbed a player. He had his a player on because of injury in, like, the first half around, like, the, the 35th minute or, like, 40th minute or something. Uh-huh. And then apparently he was pissed at the player he subbed on or didn't like what they were doing. Oh, no. And he, he subbed him at halftime. But instead of subbing him at halftime, he let them start the second half and play for like 30 seconds and then subbed him off, <laughs> which is like the most, oh, like the soul crushing move I can think of. That's awful. Why would you ever do that?
1: I don't think it's as soul crushing as being subbed on in the second half and then being subbed off like
0: No, I think 10 I would I would argue that it's more because literally it was like literally like thirty seconds to a minute after the half started. So it's like I'm
1: making an example of you. Yeah. Uh I don't know. I don't know if we see eye to eye in this one. We might we might just have to agree to disagree. Yeah. So that's okay. <laughs> but
0: but that's how I see it. Terop wasn't happy, obviously, and he and Warnock had a bit of a row, as they say. Yeah, yeah, In the dressing room, normal stuff. All told, like like this isn't this isn't outside of the realm of professional athletes in, in their general reactions to things. Players want to play, sure, makes sense. Sometimes they get into a fight with their coaches. That happens. It happens often. That happens often. It just is the thing. So. After that, we, they have it out. It's whatever. Tarapt took things a step further, shall we say. As QPR headed out for the second half, Tarapt was not with them. Instead, while his team went back out, Tarapt changed out of his kit and boots and into a club tracksuit, and he left the dressing room. Not heading towards the field with the rest of his club, but following the stadium exit signs. It's a little weird to think about a well-to-do Premier League player walking around outside of Craven Cottage, but that's exactly what Trapp did since QPR were the away team and they had taken a bus to the match. Oh he didn't have a car with him. Yeah, <laughs> So he just walked out of Craven Cottage and out onto the, the raw streets of West London. Oh, man. <laughs> just, just full, full QPR, tracksuit, just walking around that's legendary just just having that. a time yeah <laughs> so as torps was walking QPR were trying to just limit the damages inflicted upon them by a fulham team that again were currently in the relegation zone <laughs>
1: yeah but this is a good it was a good team they're better than relegation sure that's fair so uh QPR were doing it poorly yes andy
0: johnson completed his hat trick in the 60th minute with yet another fulham counterattack cutting open the QPR defense like a soft cheese. Ooh. Mm, soft
1: cheese. I love soft cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so uh, hungry right now. I wish <laughs> it wasn't so, like, sensual the way that you said that, but... Here wow. we are. Except Brie. Oh, man, I can't stand Brie. I don't
0: like Brie either. I've never been a fan of Brie. It smells like feet. Yeah, I don't like the big thing. Not, a, not, a, not, not for me. No. But, like, a nice, soft, like, manchego... Or like a... Gouda. A Gouda? Ooh, I love oh, a good Gouda. Man. Havarti. Ooh, Havarti is a good cheese. I'm really, really big fan and of it. I'm and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of a classic Swiss, always. I like Swiss cheese. Swiss is, Swiss is a very solid cheese. It's, it's just a good cheese. It's a great cheese. Mackenzie doesn't like it. It's sad. Yeah. But also not sad, because I get to hog it for myself. I,
1: I, If we had a comment section, I'm sure there would be a lot of people upset that we are anti breed but pro-Swiss. <laughs> because... I, dude, but I am. anti breed <laughs> pro-Swiss. 100%.
0: <laughs> just just absolutely. Yeah. So, 4-0 <laughs> Back to the story. And it would not be the last goal they scored that day. This should be right around the time that Adel Tarap and a couple of bodyguards he had with him arrived outside of the Crabtree Riverside Public House an old-timey Fulham pub about half a mile down the road he from Craven's Pub. He, he didn't go inside, uh. but he made it to the outside area of the pub. It would be a legendary story if he just like walked into a random pub like, and, and was team. just like, give me a pint. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, he, he did not go into the pub. He just made it to the outside of the Crabtree Pub. This is where people start to recognize him. Yeah, because it's London. Yeah. England. Yeah. Yes. Like, they know soccer players there. <laughs> um, because, you see, Adel Durant was not the only QPR-associated person that left the match early. There were several QPR fans that were out and about as well uh, because their team was sucking and they didn't feel like staying at the game to watch it. Yeah. Understandable. And some of them recognized the man wearing the full QPR tracksuit. Yes. <laughs> it's a little bit of like a, an indicator of who you might be. Yes. QPR fan Carrie Smith and some friends hailed Tarrad, who obliged them with a photo. It was bizarre, she told reporters. We asked him, "What the hell are you doing here?" And he just shrugged. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like. Uh. Then Tarop asked the supporters what the score was, to which they replied, 4 0. But it was at that moment that cheers erupted from inside the pub because Clint Dempsey had just scored Fulham's fifth goal oh, of the yeah. day. <laughs> and they all heard it. They're all just standing outside the pub, and yes. there's a bunch of Fulham fans in the pub cheering because they just scored their fifth goal. Uh, according to Kerry Smith, Tarop smiled and rolled his eyes as he commiserated. <laughs> With the QPR supporters. Oh, yes. The man was not pleased. (laughs) What can you do? What can you do? I just love that. What the hell are you doing here?
1: Uh, What's the score? (laughs) You could have known. You could have just stayed there. At least he he thought to ask. He He he, did think to ask. It wasn't complete. uh, I don't care.
0: Yeah, he cared. He just cared more about... How angry he was about being subbed off, I guess. Yes. yes. And, and how the game was going in general. Yes. Hey. Right. By that point, uh, a crowd was beginning to form around Trap, and the situation turned hostile, whatever that means. I, that's what I read. I imagine it probably had something to do with QPR fans getting mad at one of their players. Yes. Abandoning their team to go hang out with some people outside of a pub. Yeah. Uh, which isn't the best look. Not, not great. Not a good look. Uh, Tarap and his bodyguards booked it to a nearby bus stop. And they got on public transit. Caught a bus. Which they took back to the QPR ground Oh Because gosh. that was the easiest way to get back. So <laughs> it's just this like... This probably millionaire Premier League soccer player and his bodyguards getting on a public bus in London to go take it back to his fancy car probably. Uh, it's just it's just funny. It's very funny to think yeah, about. Yeah, no, it's absolutely hilarious. Um, there's also the the picture of him, the picture of him with the QPR fans that exists. Yes. It's still just like around. He's like it's the I'll, I'll I'll just look it up while I describe this for the audience. Um, he just looks bemused is the word. Like amused but not in a ha this is funny kind of way. Yes. Amused in a way that like this is clearly a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> this but is not I don't care. This is not fun for me. Here's the picture. Oh yeah. Not my favorite day at this point. Yeah. So yeah. Draft and his bodyguards took a public bus back to the QPR graphic. Uh, he was most likely on the bus then when Bobby Zamora made it 6-0 to Fulham. Noise. <laughs> the 74th minute. Cool. It's not even to the 75th minute yet. That's it's 6-0. Uh, that was the last goal that Fulham scored on the day, fortunately, for QPR. Um, after the match, the picture of Tarapt surfaced on social media. Uh, but Neil Warnock said he didn't know anything about that and instead praised Tarapt's fire. Saying he'd rather have players who were upset about being taken off at halftime than people that weren't. Which feels like a very Neil Warnock thing to yes, say. Yes. Yes. Like, I just had a fight with this kid. It was like a month later, he was like, I think we should sell him. Yeah, <laughs> like, probably. <basically>, pretty much. <laughs> um, Tarop's teammates were less amenable, with Joey Barton in particular publicly criticizing his teammate. Among other things, he told the Rock and Roll Football Show, he was told he was a genius. I've yet to see it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Not good. I'm classic classic Joey Barton. What I'm a just guy. like older kind of washed English oh. player. <laughs> older
0: kind of washed is a great way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Terrott never recaptured his form from that one season for QPR. Um he did play there for a couple more seasons, but was loaned out a few times uh, before finally being sold to Benfica, where he still plays today. Oh. He's only 32. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Weird to think about. Yeah. But, yeah, he's I still... Mean, that
1: makes sense. He yeah. was so young. He was he's so born, young. In, he's he, born in 89. Yeah. He was
0: so young yeah. when this all happened that he's only still, like... Only a couple
1: like, of years older than...
0: Only... Okay. All right. Hey. All right. <laughs> Calm yourself, son. <laughs> We don't need to be leaking. <laughs> no leaks of the age. I turned thirty
1: in less than a month. I know. I was Weird. thinking about it. I was gonna bring it up, but you did. So, but I did. Yep, yeah, I did. Uh, so yeah, he was. He was,
0: however, loaned out to a couple teams from QPR while he was still there. Uh, one of the teams he was loaned out to in 2013, Fulham. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he had 12 appearances and zero goals. Yeah, it sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> Some sources for this story. Uh, we have Paul Doyle for The Guardian, Julian Bennett for The Evening Standard, Neil Ashton for The Mail Online, Laura Williamson for The Mail Online, and
1: Mick Dennis for The Express. McDennis. McDennis. So, like, it sounds M-M-M-I-C- like a McDonald's <laughs> burger or something. And that's like two. It's like a full name. It's not one last name. Like, because McDennis kind of sounds like an Irish yeah, last Mick name. Yeah, McDennis.
0: No, it's Mick M I C K space Dennis. Okay, that's how the name goes. Okay, that's but no. McDennis is funny to think of as like a full, like a one one
1: word thing. <laughs> Adam, thank you for what was truly a a, a stupid stupid um moment in time for is it adele adele adele, adele trapped yep. yeah uh drew you know i think we we haven't gotten a
0: really super stupid story in a while and i wanted to return us to our roots a little
1: bit yeah you you absolutely did that with this one and this one's dumb it's it's, it's real dumb <laughs> so so dumb <laughs> um if you like this dumb episode and you want to listen to more, there are over eighty episodes at your disposal. Oh, go In
0: crazy.
1: Our podcast library. Um, we are we are knocking on a hundred's door. Mm, Knox
0: knock knocking on a <laughs> hundred. That's how the
1: song goes, I believe. Uh and if you like multiple episodes and you want to support the podcast, yeah. you can always leave us a rating review. Preferably five stars on Apple Podcasts. Um and we we give our fans who give us a review shouts out on the podcast. Yeah, we we'll is... shout we'll shout you out. We'll read your review. Right now we're sitting at sixty-five nice reviews. So four away from Four away from the nicest. Four away from when we just stop plugging Yeah,
0: we stop telling you to review the podcast because we, to,
1: we just want to stay at sixty five. We maintain for sixty-nine, as we 69 for as long as possible. Yeah. yeah. And that's how it's gonna go. <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter. And on Instagram at deadballpod. We're also on Facebook. You can find us there. You can drop us an email if you want us to dig into a story. I mean, I guess you could ask us to dig into a story on any of our social medias as well. Totally. But we're deadballpod at gmail.com. We have a teespring store with shirts, sweatshirts, and long-sleeve tees. Yep. Those are the three things on offer. Those are the three (laughs) things. And that link is in the description to this episode. Yes. Um, but I believe that is that's, that's really my main rundown yeah I think you got all our, of it. Right, our main rundown good job no. great work I feel like we should wrap this up you feel good
0: I'm feeling good about it okay listener thank you once again so much for listening to this podcast we really really appreciate it and until next time my name is Adam Whitaker-Snavely and I'm Drew and we'll be seeing you very soon